Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. Is it safe? We don't need no budgets. I don't have to show you any stinking budgets. Nobody puts baby in a corner. This is Simon Rose. You're listening to The Business of Film on Chair Radio, where I'm joined by James Cameron Wilson. And James, it's that time of year where we, we look back at the year and, and possibly look ahead if we get time to, to what might come in 2022. I mean, a, a difficult year for cinema, um, definitely, although at least cinemas had uh, did reopen. And we got some quite surprising movies doing incredibly well. Um, so we're going to look, I think, first, though, at your top 10 movies of 2021 aren't we yeah i like i i'm always chuffed when i tell my favorite movies to friends who agree with me because i often do not agree with the critics and some critics films completely baffle me and yet i mean for instance my well a dear mate of mine who's american we always agree on movies except for Mm. horror films (laughs) right but anyway so i'll give you a rush you through my top 10 if I may starting from number 10 up to number one and this is an extraordinary film which I saw on Netflix and there were two performances in it which I both of which I nominated for best supporting actor number one Tim Blake Nelson the film is called Monster and the second my second best supporting actor I gave to Jeffrey Wright also for Monster Mm -hmm. about a young man in America who is accused of a crime that maybe he didn't commit. And it's beautifully made. I can't wait to see the director, is it Anthony Handler, uh, do something next. And you can see it on Netflix, and I'm surprised it's completely overlooked. But like many companies, they wait until the end of the year to push their stuff, and so many good films that were released early in the year, in the summer, get overlooked. Anyway, that is number 10, Monster. And again, a film that was totally overlooked, I saw on Sky called Antebellum, which I have seen four times, Simon. <laughs> I remember you telling us to watch it the second time. I didn't realise you've got up to four now. Where well, did you find the time? Well, what happened is every time I show it to somebody, they want to show it to a friend of theirs. So they said, well, do you want to come along? I said, yeah, I'd love to see it again. <laughs> and each time I see it, I see more in it. And it is really clever. It's starring Janelle Monet, and it's directed by Christopher Renz and Gerard Bush, who should be the next Coen brothers, whether or not they will be. It is very clever. It is horrifying. It is stunningly made. There's a wonderful opening sequence, which is about eight minutes long. And the third time I showed it to my friend's wife, and she said, I've got to show this to Sophie. So we then had another get together and we watched it. I watched it a fourth time. Um, so it, it missed most people's um, consciousness, really. So it's still out there. 
So track it down, Antebellum. And again, a film I raved about on this show called I Never Cry, which was an Irish-Polish film about a girl who goes to look for her father in Dublin. It probably, I think, the most powerful and most credible and beautifully made foreign language film of the year. Uh, Then next is The Power of the Dog, which is getting a lot of awards buzz. I do agree with the critics here. I think if you told me that Benedict Cumberbatch was playing a Marlborough man with a rather vicious exterior, rather like Daniel Day-Lewis's Daniel Plainview in There Will Be Blood, a similar sort of overbearing character, I would not have believed that Benedict Cumberbatch could have pulled it off. He is sensational in this. And I believe you have seen The Power of the Dog. No, no, I haven't well, yet. You, oh, sorry, no. you've got something no, really not to look yet. for. Well, I, I was with a friend and sitting down wanting to watch something, and I described what I thought it was about, and they said it sounded a bit depressing, so we didn't watch that in the end. It's powerful. It is gripping. It is extraordinary. It is a work of art. And Kirsten Dunst is sensational, and Jesse Plemons is getting a lot of awards buzz as well. Mm-hmm. But the person who's getting the most awards is Cody Smith-McPhee as Kirsten Dunst's son. And obviously the director, uh, writer Jane Campion, uh, is guaranteed an Oscar nomination. Mm. I I could not um, recommend it more. Another film which is getting a lot of awards heat is King Richard, which is the story of Richard Williams, played by Will Smith, who, of course, was the father of Serena and Venus Williams. Uh, Not a very flattering portrait of him, although the film is executive produced by Venus and Serena Williams. Will Smith is terrific. I think at this stage he probably will win the Oscar. His biggest competition will be Benedict Cumberbatch at this stage. Of course, all Mm. these things change from week to week. But as it stands now, I think it will be Will Smith. I'll be very happy for Benedict Cumberbatch to win. But Ben will have another chance. I was Again, we were put off watching this because it's another film, though, that's two and a half hours long. I can sort of understand it sometimes for superhero movies, but it seemed, for a drama, it seemed quite long. So we we just reckon we didn't have enough time to watch it. So we, we, we shelved it for another occasion. I was really sad when it ended. Okay. I just didn't want it to end. And I think if you if you go into the cinema knowing you're going to be there for a while, mm. and I felt the same way about a number of long films we've seen this year, including No Time to Die. I had yes, an extra which was shot very long, of caffeine. Yes. Yeah. But having seen it now twice in the cinema, I, I, actually it zips by the second time because there is so much in it that you missed mm. the first time. Mm. And it's quite mm. a complicated plot. It, it doesn't matter. Um, I think some things need to be long. Um, like the documentary Getting Away with Murders, which is about, um, well, it's about apathy and how so many war criminals are still yes. getting away with terrible crimes. And that is almost three hours. And I, I just don't know what you would cut out of that. But you have to be prepared for a three-hour movie. No, I was, always, you know I, was almost, I was almost surprised they managed to keep it to three hours. But indeed. Yeah. And another film, A Quiet Place, Part two at one, two, three, four. uh, My fifth is the Godfather part two of horror sequels. I just didn't didn't believe that it could be so good. I saw A Quiet Place again last week. What an amazing piece of filmmaking by John Krasinski, starring his wife, Emily Blunt. It's such a good idea. I I think I'll be too scared. So I'm afraid, James, I've, I've sort of wimped out so far. Everybody tells me it's wonderful, including you. But I'm just almost frightened to watch it. 
Well, I took a, a grown man who turns 40 uh, on his next birthday, and he came along to see it. He actually had his head buried in a cushion while he was watching it. But he said, it may be the scariest film I've seen, but yeah. it is so good. I know. I just don't like being scared that much. <laughs> oh, bless you. Well, at number four, No Time to Die. Who ever thought I would put a James Bond film in my top ten? But it is so good. Don't you think? Uh, I didn't like it as much as you, but then I did only see it once. Uh, it it passed the time and it was amusing. I, I've told you before. It passed this... the time? Yeah. Ow! Ow, that... ow, ow, ow! I wasn't that bowled over. But then, as I told you, this big problem right, with Daniel Craig is James Bond. It goes back about three or four films when he, he did some sort of tumble. And I suddenly thought he reminded me of Norman Wisdom. And the moment I thought that, I can no longer really take Daniel Craig seriously as James Bond, I'm afraid. I just so think are you Norman happy Wisdom with the is next playing Bond? Him. Are you happy with the next Bond? Oh, you know who it's going to be. Well, well, we, d- we don't really know. But Henry Cavill is, is oh, well, the front be... runner at the moment. Oh, that would be... Oh. But again, that could all change. Yeah, I've certainly and never I thought think... of him as being Norman Wisdom. <laughs> <clears throat> Most of our listeners probably don't know who Norman Wisdom oh, is. I, yes, I'm afraid to say that may well be the case. Well, that's that's probably all to their credit. And as you know, I judge each film within its own genre. <clears throat> and I have to say that I just really thought The Suicide Squad was a blast. And seeing it a second time on Blu-ray, it really does hold up. It is very, very funny. It is very, very witty. It is very, very sick. But I think James Gunn is the best superhero director out there. He did the Guardians of the Galaxy films as well. And I just loved it. I think Margot Robbie is just... That scene where she unlocks her... Her padlock with her toes. And then goes on this (laughs) extraordinary gun rampage, which is like a ballet. Is just pure undiluted yes. cinema. Yeah, I love daft, it. But g- daft, but great fun throughout. I have to say, no longer's in the Suicide Squad. I felt there's no harm in being entertained. No, and that Even was it... yeah. Okay. That, uh, 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 number two, well. promising young woman, which opened this year with mm. Kerry Mulligan, nominated for an Oscar. I saw it again recently, and it holds up incredibly well. And I think it's masterful. And just the film. Because I so enjoy the music. Lynn Manuel Miranda's directorial debut, Tick, Tick, Boom, with Andrew Garfield. It's hard to believe that Andrew Garfield grew up in this country, that he started at the Manchester Royal Exchange, he was in Doctor Who, and he can do so many American accent, accents. Here he plays Jonathan Larson. And this is an autobiographical musical. It is touching, it is so amazingly well directed, it is so kinetic, and it just sweeps you along. And I saw it again last week with a couple of friends, and we all absolutely loved it. It is just pure cinematic joy um i I want to ask you something i wanted to watch this and i suggested to a friend of mine who's very very keen on um musicals but as soon as i mentioned it was from the person who'd written rent they said oh i hated the music for that and so they they wouldn't watch it with me so i'm gonna have to watch it on my own i think i mean is it similar to rent do you remember rent well it's funny you should mention rent because it's not similar to rent but the songs, he, Jonathan Larson was mentored by Stephen Sondheim. And Stephen Sondheim does not believe in you coming out of the cinema and whistling the theme tune. He's not Andrew Lloyd Webber. 
Mm. He likes to hide a melody within a melody. And I'm sort of, every time I see Rent, I get more out of it than the first mm. time. Now, it's an odd thing to say, well, you won't like it the first time, but keep on seeing it. And I'm actually <laughs> getting really into Rent now. And having seen Tick, Tick, Boom, which I enjoyed even more the second time, I can't wait to see Rent a fourth time. Okay, well, I, I'm I'm intrigued by that. I'll have a go. <laughs> James, though, uh, we probably have reached about midway, so I think it is time for us just to take a quick pause for breath. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose and uh, Coughing Away in the Back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Band is James Cameron Wilson. We're having a Sorry look about that. back at James. Fine, James. Don't worry. Uh, uh, the era of of Zoom calls means yes, I don't have faders to use as in the old days of the studio. Um, but we've been looking at your top ten movies of the year. Um, where are we going to go now? Because this is well, our I thought last broadcast of the year. I thought it would be quite um, timely to look forward to the what's been winning the awards, particularly the New York Film Critics Circle, the Los Angeles. Film Critics Circle, and indeed the National Board of Review, and what are the films most likely to be nominated for Oscars come February the 8th, Mm. which I'm sure is in your diary, Simon. So for best film, The Runaway is a Japanese film, which I know very little about, called Drive My Car, which was voted not best foreign language film, but best movie, both by the New York and the Los Angeles film critics, it got four and a half stars, which is very high on my new uh, rejigged all new. Can, can uh, I just sorry. check? You said what I thought you did say. Then you said the runaway film that might win best film Oscar, or did I mishear that? At the moment, it is. It's won more awards in the wow. major critical bouts than any other. But then it happened to a South Korean film. It, well, that is true. Yes. So why couldn't it happen to a Japanese uh, film? Uh, yeah, I know. Um, uh, okay, well, I'm, I'm interested. I must try and get to see it. Okay. It's called Drive, Drive My, Car. My Car, and I can't wait to see it. It's, modern, it's handled by modern films over here. The, the other big contenders are being The Ricardos, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, with mm. Nicole Kidman as yeah. Lucille Ball. She is getting a lot of Oscar buzz. Who would have thought and Javier Bardem, no less. Hmm. Belfast, I think the last time I looked, the Variety Oscar website reckons that Belfast will win Best Film, which is directed by Kenneth Branagh. Uh, Kieran Hines is um, already getting awards. Yes. Judy Dench. And, yes. It doesn't in involve it. lots of people being stuck on a train in a snowdrift murdering people, does it? So. No, no. This is a um, black and white coming-of-age story set yeah. in Dublin, about Kenneth Branagh's early days. And he's done a lot of really good work. Not all of it has been very successful. Some of it, I mean, Murder on the Orient Express was a, it was a box office hit. I, I thought it was dire, but he can 
turn out some amazing movies and Belfast is getting the love. Also, Dune is up there, King Richard, which we mentioned, which is the story of Richard Williams played by Will Smith. I think I don't have to tell you about Dune. Licorice Pizza. Uh, Paul, um, Tom Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's getting a lot of buzz. The yeah, tragedy... I, I caught, the, caught the trailer of that, and I must say, it, looked, it does look quite good fun, but you never really tell from a trailer. With Bradley Cooper in support, no less. Mm. The Tragedy of Macbeth, directed by Joel Kern, with Denzel Washington in the lead, Francis McDormand, and Catherine Hunter has won the award um, from one major critical body, which is the... Um, the New York film critics. And she is a British actress. She's the associate director of RADA and she directs student productions at RADA. And she has won this prestigious honor in New York for the tragedy at Macbeth playing the witches. I haven't seen it yet, but um, good on her. And uh, West Side Story, of course, Steven Spielberg's reinvention of the 1961 yes. musical, which, which, uh, well, yeah, which I have now managed to, to see, albeit in which a rather is number 11 in my top 10. Yes, yes. I'm beautifully made, but it's still not a musical that really grabs me. I, I, I admire it. And as you mentioned in your review a while ago, the, the Janusz Kaminski cinematography is just out of this world. Um, it looks quite amazing. Well, I have to say of of the musicals this year tick tick boom had me more emotionally engaged mm. um i i was by the end of west side story choking up but i would call west side story second and then in the heights based on the lin-manuel mm. miranda musical that that would be third but for very briefly because i know we've got to move on for mm. best actor i i think will smith will win for king richard but benedict cumberbatch he's won the new york film critics circle award for best actor simon rex who stars in a film called red rocket as an adult entertainer won best actor from the los angeles film critics denzel washington is getting a lot of good oscar buzz for the tragedy of macbeth uh, but i think will smith will win and oscar isaac for a film called the card counter for Best Actress. Lady Gaga was voted Best Actress for House of Gucci, which I think is a car crash of a movie. The New York critics gave her their love. The National Board of Review voted for Rachel Zegler for West Side Story, and I do think she is sensational. And the LA critics gave their accolade to Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, directed by Pedro Almodovar. Always interesting when they all nominate different people because it just it makes it more exciting. Well, well, it does. And I voted for Jessica Chastain, which she is unrecognisable in the eyes of Tammy Faye as Tammy Faye Baker. But I think Olivia Coleman will also get an Oscar nomination. The Academy absolutely loves her for Maggie Gyllenhaal's directorial debut, The Lost Daughter, which I am seeing tonight. But And, and, and Kristen Stewart playing... Princess Di in Spencer, I'm sure we'll get a look in, get a nomination. But I think the favourite at the moment it's a toss-up between Nicole Kidman and Kristen Stewart. James, okay. So, uh, very quickly, Best Supporting Actor, and then I would like to talk about the big blockbusters of 2022. As I said, Kieran Hines has already won 
a major award. The National Board of Review voted him for Best Supporting Actor for Kenneth Branagh's Belfast. But the one who's got the most awards is Cody Smith-McPhee, the New Zealand actor for The Power of the Dog. Both the New York critics and the LA critics voted him Best Actor. Some people think Jared Leto will get a nomination for House of Gucci just because he's unrecognisable and he put on a lot of latex, what I would call the Gary Oldman approach to acting. Vincent Lindon won the LFA, uh, well, the Los Angeles Critics Award for Best Supporting Actor for the French film Titane, which I'm really looking forward to seeing perhaps this week, and Willem Dafoe for The Card Counter. And finally, Best Supporting Actress, uh, Katrina Balf for Belfast. She's been nominated for a Golden Globe mm. Award. Ariana, or Ariana Debose for West Side Story. She's already been won the award from the LA Critics and got a Golden Globe nomination. Ingenue Ellis for King Richard, in which she plays Oracine. Catherine Hunter, who I mentioned uh, for the tragedy of Macbeth. And I voted for Ruth Negger for Passing, which marks Rebecca Hall's directorial, directorial, directorial debut. But Ju Judy Finch, uh, Judy Dench is in there with a chance, I think. And Kirsten Dunst for The Power of the Dog. And she likewise has been nominated for a Golden Globe Award. OK, James, thank you. Well, we're going to take a brief look as well at what the blockbusters we can expect in, in 2022. At least we're now getting sort of, you know, films regularly appearing in cinemas. We have to hope Omicron doesn't actually put a, um, a dampener on that. So where do we go with the blockbusters? Well, this is... Really, I, I'm talking box office here. I'm not mm. talking kudos. But so these are probably the big major money makers of the upcoming year. In May 6, we will have Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Right. Directed by Sam Raimi. I loved, I adored Doctor Strange. I'm not a huge fan of superheroes, but I think Benedict Cumberbatch was so much fun as Doctor Strange. This, he returns yet again. The guy is so busy. Mm -hmm. uh, Co-starring Benedict Wong, Rachel McAdams, and Chiwetel Ejiofor. That's one I am looking forward to. I'm not looking forward to Top Gun Maverick, which opens on May the 27th, directed by Joseph Kosinski, although I did like his Only the Brave film about the firefighters with uh, Josh Brolin, which I thought was very good. This obviously stars Tom Cruise returning as Maverick with Miles Teller in support, Jennifer Connelly, and the return of Val Kilmer. That's May 27. July 7, we've got Tom Cruise. Uh, <laughs> this is Mission Impossible 8, directed by Christopher McQuarrie. Also returning Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, Vanessa Kirby, and Haley. Well, I am interested in seeing that, but mostly for the reason I spent quite a bit of time in Derbyshire this um, uh, summer, both my daughter's wedding and then on a holiday. And um, for some strange reason, um, Mission Impossible is filming a lot in the Derbyshire Peak District. Um, quite whether these dry stone walls will feature in the movie or be CGI'd out, I don't know, but I'm most intrigued to see if I actually recognise some of the locations. I'm very fond of dry stone walls. I'm surrounded by them here in the Cotswolds. So yeah. That would be lovely to see that in Mission Impossible 8. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but I can't help feeling the, the, the stunt we all saw of a train being driven over the edge of a quarry probably won't turn out to be in the middle of the Peak District, given its paucity of um, railways. But never mind. OK, where now? Well, Mission Impossible 8 opens on July the 7th. And on July the 8th, 
we've got Thor, Love and Thunder, directed by Taika Waititi, starring Chris Hemsworth, Tessa Thompson as a Valkyrie, Natalie Portman returning as Jane Foster, Christian Bale as Gore, mm. the God Butcher. That should be something to watch. And Chris Pratt as Peter Quill, a bit of a crossover there from Guardians of the Galaxy. Thor, Love and Thunder. I, I'm very perplexed that they would open two tentpole blockbusters one day apart. So those dates may change. Mm -hmm. And moving forward to number, November the 4th, we've got a new superhero, The Flash, played by Ezra Miller, with Ben Affleck in support as Bruce Wayne and Michael Keaton as Batman. Right. Go figure. Go figure. Okay. <laughs> Intriguing. I think The Flash has been a TV series, hasn't it? So perhaps that's picked up a lot of support there. I can't say that I've seen it. So that is that it, James? Thank you very no, much. No, Pete. it's not. Oh, no. Sorry. Right. So we've got th three more biggies coming up. Right. Uh, November uh, 22, we've got The Marvels, directed by Neo DaCosta, who uh, I think she's a very promising director. I loved her Candyman. And uh, December 16, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, and December 22, Avatar 2, directed by James Cameron. <laughs> yeah, quite a, and, and yes, quite an intriguing list there, James. It'd be interesting to see which ones are actually worth watching. Um, thank you very much indeed for everything in 2021. We look forward to more business of film in 2022. My thanks, though, to James Cameron Wilson. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. Is it safe? We don't need no budgets. I don't have to show you any stinking budgets. Nobody puts baby in a corner.